welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode 10. Let's get started. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, first things first. Yep. We are, as everyone knows, very, very, very sorry to be so delayed in our last Several episodes. Yep. I think our last episode was in November yeah. or early December. Around Thanksgiving. And uh, we kind of took our own self-imposed hiatus. <laughs> well, we had stuff to do. It was things, actually the early, early, first of December. Yeah, things just kept coming up and, you know, just got sidetracked. We got... Really sidetracked with Very. with other projects and other things. Well, not other. So, well, I did. I, I was actually I'll speak for myself. Well, I can just give a little detail. I actually had surgery, um, and true. had to be off work for a while, like about six weeks. And then when I got back to work, of course, all hell broke loose. That's true. And it was so busy. I was working late mm-hmm. days and. Then the holidays were coming up, so not an excuse, not a good reason. It's a good reason, but yeah, that's a good reason. But I me- still feel bad that we had we just kind of left and we didn't mention anything. Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate, but you know, life life goes on. You know yeah, what I mean? It does. And you know, for 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 me, I just got a little sidetracked and busy with other projects, you know, that I do and stuff. So, you know, it was just kind of easy. Since, you know, you were recovering anyway to say, oh, yeah, well, let's just put it off. Let's just put it off, you know, but yeah, we're back now and we're going to we're going to try our best to stay on target. We are. We're going to stay on on target. target. So we are way back. What we're going to talk about today is episode 10 titled Gray Matters, which was which aired way back in the first week of December. Yeah. And um, I know that, you know, we could probably skip a couple of episodes and keep going forward, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Nope. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and act like we were doing all of our episodes like normal. Yep. I think so. So we'll do our recaps and we'll make our comments and then we'll move on. We're not, we don't really have any feedback because all of the feedback has been around where we're at. Yeah. Like where y'all? Where are we at? (laughs) And what are we doing? And when are we coming back? And you know, so, so we're back again. We apologize so much and we hope that you stay with us. Yeah. And, and plus we're going to have some, some other stuff coming up too. We are? Yeah. What? Other than friends. We'll talk about that at the end. All right. Okay. Okay. So. Are you ready for the recap? I'll do the recap. Okay. And my notes are kind of long, but I think it's just because I'm, I was trying to write everything down. So I'm going to try to go quick. Don't, don't leave out the good stuff. Okay. So. Episode 10, Gray Matters. We start the episode at Hennington Mental Health Institute in Boston, Massachusetts. And we see a man talking about a girl in a red dress with flowers in her hair while obviously being operated on because you see all this medical equipment. A man is behind him with surgical equipment, gauze and gloves, and takes a piece of tissue out of the back of his head, which is nasty. They're interrupted on the radio by Smith what we call Curtis. Yeah, Curtis. Who tells them that there's a guard coming their way. Um, the man doing the surgery apologizes for not being able to finish and to leave him in this state, and they just leave the room and escape the building. A nurse comes into the room and 
and says, um, Mr. Slater, are you okay? The guy turns around and when he does, he says, help me. And we see that his brain is exposed. Yeah. And he's got this. His skin is pulled down. His skull yeah. is open and his brain is exposed. It's just nasty. Nasty. Okay. So then we see Olivia, Peter, and Walter arrive at the mental hospital or institute uh, to investigate. And they find that Mr. Slater's name is Joseph, was admitted 14 years ago with a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. After um, they found him, they realized that he's been cured. His doctor comes out and says he doesn't have any schizophrenic episodes anymore. He's talking lucid. Walter asked to see Mr. Slater when he was a patient prior to being cured. So they watched video of him talking about a girl in a red dress with flowers in her hair um, to an interviewer. Um, They then go to talk to Mr. Slater, Joseph, and he says that he feels unburdened and free, but can't recall who did this to him other than that they were very polite. Um, Mr. Slater's wife arrives and says that, and he says he remembers treating her badly when she came to visit um, all of these years. And the doctor tells him that everything will be fine. Walter mentions how lucky a man Mr. Slater is since he was in St. Clair's for 17 years and never had one visitor. Peter looks kind of sad and says Walter's name. And Walter says, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just making an observation. Mm. Um, At this point, they go to security to view the surveillance footage of the men. And Olivia recognizes one of the men from the Laston Hennings cryogenics lab uh, evidence. Mm -hmm. She's been looking through it all for the past couple of months uh, to try to figure out which, which head they needed. And she gets on a computer and pulls it up and realizes that the head that was ended up being missing that they never found was Thomas Jerome Newton. So we're at the FBI headquarters and Olivia is updating Broyles on Thomas Jerome Newton and tells him that the name was an alias, which leads them to nowhere. Olivia tells him and Peter that William Bell told her that a man with the Omega marking would try to open a door between their universe and the results will be global de- destruction of biblical proportions. Mm-hmm. So they need to find out who this guy is. Uh, we're now at Walter's lab, and he's looking at Mr. Slater's medical records and realizes that the admitted, admitting physician's name was Simon Paris. He asks Astrid to locate Dr. Paris and theorizes that someone could have made him crazy on purpose, could have made Mr. Slater crazy on purpose. Mm-hmm. Astrid doesn't find a Dr. Paris in the AMA database, and Walter suggests checking the pharmacy records. Fourteen years ago, it seems that Dr. Paris set up an indefinite prescription of medications for Mr. Slater with no termination date. He had done the same thing with two other patients in the same week at two separate hospitals, two other hospitals. We're now at Dunwich Mental Hospital, and Olivia and Peter are interviewing a patient, Deborah Crampton about her diagnosis and recovery. She suffered from arithmomania, which is an obsessive compulsive disorder that um, deals with numbers. And she said that she would always see the number 28. Um, Then last Tuesday morning, she says she woke up and the number was gone out of her head. Deborah, or excuse me, Olivia asked her if they could look at her head and Peter pulls her hair back and sees a fresh scar like from a surgical laser. She tells them that Dr. Paris diagnosed her with mild postpartum depression and said that she needed a few weeks rest and then sent her to Dunwich Mental Hospital where then she, she stayed for the next 14 years. At an unknown location, we see Smith or um, Curtis. Slash Curtis. Slash Curtis. <laughs> 
telling Thomas, which is the only name we know him by, um, that, that they, the nutrient bath for the first specimen will only keep alive for five to six more hours. And Thomas says they better get moving. So then we see Peter and Olivia looking at another file while they're driving, which is the third person that Dr. Paris had prescribed medication to, and discover the same scenario. He was treated by Dr. Paris and admitted to a mental hospital, and then two days ago, miraculously recovered. Olivia complains about not being able to fight when she can't understand what she's fighting, and, tell, and Peter tells her that it's not just her fighting and that, you know, she's got others with her. Back at Walter's lab, Astrid gets off the phone with Olivia, who has told her about Stuart Gordon, and that he also has a fresh scar and is mentally recovered. Walter asks Astrid when Mr. Slater had an organ transplant because one of the drugs prescribed by Dr. Paris was an anti-rejection medication. Walter's theory is that the human brain is useless when dead, even if put into a nutrient-rich environment because it needs electrical stimulation and not just blood and oxygen. Uh, Dr. Paris found a solution to that by storing brain tissue inside of another brain. Like those of the patients, he backs up this theory by seeing shadows in their brain scans that were likely passed off as a machine error. Olivia and Peter also put together that Newton was removing transplanted brain tissue from Slater, Crampton, and Gordon. Walter and Peter further explain that this is what caused the mental distress, and as soon as it was removed, they go back to normal. Astra gets a call from Dr. West, which was the doctor at the um, Huntington, Huntington Mental Hospital, mm -hmm. and um, Dr. West says that they couldn't find much about Dr. Paris, but they looked at other hospitals and realized that he had visited Walter six times while Walter was in St. Clair's. Peter asks to take a look at Walter's head and finds an old scar. So then they're all looking nervous. So we're at the hospital and Dr. West is about to do an MRI on Walter's brain and Walter seems very agitated. He tells Peter that it isn't a good idea to go through it since MRI, MRI machines can rip metal from patients and he has the GPS tracker in his neck. <laughs> Peter calms him down and tells him that the tracker is made of silicone and maybe he needs some Valium to calm him down. Walter's like, oh, hey, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> and tells Dr. West that he, he'll take 50 milligrams. That's a lot. Dr. West is like, uh, that seems like a high dosage. And he tells her, well, I have a high tolerance, so just go get it. <laughs> so she does. <laughs> Peter tells Walter that he'll be okay and that the Valium will help him with any claustrophobia he's having. And Walter tells him he's not claustrophobic, but he does wonder what Dr. Paris did to him. Um, we next see Peter in the MRI room alone when Olivia arrives. He says that he had Astrid take Walter home since he's had a Valium and he's kind of loopy. Um, he asks Olivia how she thinks Walter feels about the situation. And he talks about wishing that he could turn back the clock before he went crazy. Olivia says that she thinks Walter being in St. Clair's seems to have made him a better person and definitely a better father. Peter kind of um, regrets that he didn't visit Walter and says that he should have visited him in St. Clair's. And Olivia told him that he's making up for that now, so he should be okay. At this point, Dr. West comes in the room and says that she found three scars all on the same side of Walter's head in the left temporal lobe. Peter notices the incisions go all the way down into the gray matter and tissue and had tissue removed, not implanted into the hippocampus or from the hippocampus. P 
Peter compares the scan from the other three patients and can you quit making noise, Sister J? Those don't work. None of them do. So get a pen. That's a container full of pens and it, nothing works. Anyway, go ahead. Well, you were looking for pencils and none of those have lead. Okay, so. go ahead. Okay. I forgot where I'm at. Okay. Um, where am I at? See? Th that's from you. Anyway. Okay. I was talking about the um, hippocampus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the scan. So Peter um, compares all the scans from the three patients that they're talking, we've been talking about uh, to Walters and he puts them up against Walters and realizes that the tissue matches perfectly that the space that's empty in their brain matches perfectly with the space that was taken out of Walter's brain brain and obviously implanted in them, which were like, Ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. So now we're at Walter's apartment and Walter is looking sick. And he says that he took too much volume and asked Astrid to go back to the lab to get his violet sedan chair album, which helps him recover from a volume high. Um, Olivia and Peter discuss why Dr. Paris would do this. And Peter realizes the hippocampus is memory storage. He says that Walter has already opened the door to the other side, but can't remember how because the memory was taken from him. Newton wants to find this. And Peter says that Newton wants to find this door and can only do it with Walter's memories. Peter realizes that in order for Newton to read the memories, he would need to implant the memories into a brain that could interpret them. He looks at Olivia and says, and she says, Walter. So we next see Astrid in her car and she gets a call from Peter um, telling her that Walter's in danger and she needs to get back to their house. We see Walter on a chair and he hears a knock at his door and he thinks it's Astrid. So he goes and opens it and it's actually Newton and he looks and Walter's looking kind of nervous. Uh, we see next Peter and Olivia arrive at the house to find Astrid with her gun drawn. Go Astrid. Walter is gone though. And Peter finds it. Um, and so they, Peter says, well, we're fine because uh, Walter has his tracking device. And so he grabs the transponder and they run out the door to find him. They track the device, the, the tracker to a tea station bathroom. When they arrive, they find blood in the sink and the small tracking device in the sink too, which is kind of gross. Peter looks so upset. He kicks in one of the stall doors and kind of fumes off. So now we're at an unknown location and we see Walter hooked up to machines and a head cap's put on his head with all these wires and stuff. He's given another drug, even though he tells him that he's already had Valium. Newton tells Walter that he's going to show him a series of pictures, and he is to tell him the first thing that comes to his mind, but he needs to tell the truth and that he'll know. The first image is of a molecule, and Walter tells him it reminds him of his college organic chemistry class. And, that, um, and then Walter starts laughing as he tells about his lab partner and him, sitting in the back of the class and sniffing benzene fumes. Mm. The second photo is of a young Peter, and the third is of a, of a bowl of custard. On both of the photos, Walter says Peter's name. is the first that he thinks of. The fourth picture is a picture of a small coffin, and Walter says Peter, but at this point he's kind of crying. Mm -hmm. Smith says that the process is not working, and Newton says they need to use sound and smell to help with the process, not just pictures. We see Olivia and Broyles look at a map of the area and try to figure out how to find Walter. Um, Peter thinks of Slater being obsessed with the girl in the red dress that lived across the street. Crampton, the number 28, and Gordon about Sydney Green Street. 
Peter then kind of clicks something and he says that there was a girl that lived across the street from him when he was growing up in Cambridge. Her name was Sydney and she lived at 2828 Green Street. Or he lived at 2828 Green Street, but it was across the street. Okay, so we're in Cambridge, Massachusetts now. And Walter is in the house that Peter grew up in and says that he remembers being in the house, but that the last time he was, leaves were falling. Newton tells Walter, Walter that this house exists in both worlds, but in his world, the trees died long ago and the same thing happened to the grass and it was called the blight. They start sending electricity through Walter's brain as it's connected to the brain tissue and ask Walter if he knows where he is. He says he knows he's in the house and asks where his wife and son are. Newton wants Walter to tell him how he knows, tell him how he um, built the door that lets you wa walk between worlds. Walter doesn't answer and Newton tells him he knows why he built the door and what he lost. He asks Walter if he's willing to lose him again and then asks him again about the door. Of course, Walter is looking upset because he knows they're talking about Peter. At this point, Olivia and Peter drive up to the house and Smith radios that they have company because he's waiting outside as a lookout, a.k.a. Curtis. <laughs> Newton says that it's okay, um, but they're done and they have what they need. He takes a video camera from a tripod and injects Walter with something and Walter falls over and kind of passes out. Peter and Olivia rush in the house and find Walter on the floor. Peter picks Walter up while Olivia searches the house. Um, she finds the current owners that are all tied up and gagged, and they tell her that the people just ran out the back door. She chases um, out the backyard and chases a van and ends up shooting the driver. Um, so the van crashes, and Smith's op opens up, Smith Curtis opens the back of the van with his gun drawn, and Olivia shoots him dead in the head. She also shot the driver in the head while the van was moving, so she's a good shot. Uh, she tells Newton to come out of the van, which he does, and he tells her that Walter will die in four minutes unless he gets an antidote. She calls Peter to confirm, and Peter tells her that Walter has collapsed and he needs her help. She tells Newton to tell her what he wants, and he says there is a medical kit on the table, and if they inject Walter with the three vials in the correct order, it will neutralize the neurotoxin he was injected with. Newton tells her to give him her phone and that he will tell her the order of the vials when she gets in the house. Of course, she tells him to go to hell and all this. She doesn't believe him. And he says, well, do you want to trust that, you know, mm -hmm. trust his life, your friend's life on that? In the meantime, Peter's yelling on the phone, help Olivia, help. So he's basically saying, do whatever, you know, Walter's mm -hmm. dying. Okay, so Olivia tells Newton to go to hell as she throws him her cell phone and then she takes out running back towards the house. She arrives and tells Peter to give her his phone and demands that Newton tells her how to save Walter. He tells her the blue vial first, yellow, and then red as he runs away or walks away. As Peter injects the vials into Walter's arm, Newton tells Olivia that now he knows how weak she is and then hangs up the phone. Olivia looks pissed, but she hangs up the phone and her and Peter watch to see if Walter will be okay. It looks like he's not breathing, so they look really sad at first. But he finally starts breathing and gasping. And he looks like he's got like spit on the side of his face and everything. He tells Peter that he has a headache and a sudden craving for chicken wings. <laughs> so Peter, you know, picks him up and is kind of holding him and kisses his head. And Olivia's looking relieved, but also mad. Olivia, we see uh, later, 
walking down the street with Broyles, and she tells him that Newton was right and that she made an emotional choice, and now they have no idea what info Walter gave Newton and have a lot more questions. Broyles tells her they got some answers and that she saved Walter's life, which was a rational and not emotional choice. He also tells her that they need Walter and her before it's all over, and he tells her not to be so hard on herself. We see Walter back at the hospital about to undergo another MRI and Peter tells Walter that he should have visited him while he was in St. Clair's and Walter tells him that that's okay because he probably wouldn't have remembered it if he had. Okay, so then Peter leaves the room and Walter closes his eyes while they roll him into the MRI MRI machine and he seems like he's dreaming or remembering being on an operating table with a nurse telling Dr. Paris that he's ready for that the proce- that Walter's ready for the procedure. Dr. Paris asks if he has anything in his system and it seems like it's William Bell's voice. We see all of this from the perspective of Walter laying down on the bed. So next thing we see is R- William Bell walking up to Walter and asking him if he's comfortable. Walter is like, belly, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's funny. Anyway, um, William tells him that he has accomplished um, something that's way too dangerous and that he's going to have to put his memory in a place where no one can find it, where only he can find it. Walter tells him that he's scared and William tells him that, you know, everything is going to be okay. He tells Walter to think about the door that he designed and then Walter closes his eyes and that's the end of the episode. Boom. So we're like, woohoo! So, William Bell is... Dr. Paris. Well, William Bell's the one that did all the procedures or yeah, or, or did the initial procedures of taking six six little parts of Walter's brain out and putting it in other people. Right. So he could, you know, hide, hide his memory the of door. that yeah. door. Anyway, I thought that was a great episode. Well, once it got started and everything, yeah, I thought it was very, very good. There was a lot of good stuff in there, but I had some problems with with how some of them behaved. Who? <clears throat> okay. First of all, how dumb is it for Astrid, an FBI person who has worked all this time with Walter, to take him back to wherever they were. His, his apartment. Right, his apartment. And he's all drugged up and everything, but he needs this little album. And she's going to leave his ass there alone. That was just unbelievable to me. No, I don't oh, think yeah, so. Yeah. That was unbelievable to me. They were going to go together, but then he starts stumbling. And he said he might throw up in her car, which I didn't mention. But too bad. And, and she's like, he said, well, just leave me here and you go get it. I do not believe she would have left him there. Not not working in the French division, but anyway, that's my opinion. I was real ticked about that. And then, of course, when she comes back, you know, of course, he's gone. And, oh, you know, and, and, and you said, oh, and she has her gun out. And look, oh, please. That was just, I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. And, well, we'll get to the Olivia thing, too. But anyway... But I just thought that was not in keeping with her I, character. I think it so was. It was jarring to me. At this point, they didn't know that Walter was in danger. They didn't know that part of Walter's brain was what they were take, putting into people. I'm not talking about 
Walter's brain or anything else. I'm talking about it from the standpoint of this is a person that you are friendly with. And you remember the uh, episode when he got lost in Chinatown? Yeah. And everything. After all of that, and she done lost his ass then and felt all guilty and upset. There is no way I believe that she would have left him in the house alone. She would have taken it. She would have said, well, let me get some towels and you can throw up on the towels in my car or something. But I just don't believe it. I don't believe she would have left him alone in a drug state like that. I just don't believe it. So to me, that was very uh, 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 jarring. And I understand that they had to do it that way to move the story to where they wanted it to go. But I didn't like it. So that's my opinion on that. But I thought it was very good how they showed... Uh, uh, Peter's guilt playing throughout the whole episode. Once Walter made that statement about, you know, he had no visitors at St. Clair. Right. Um, yeah, Peter felt guilty the whole episode. And that's the way he looked the whole episode yeah, he did. to me. So that was really He looked sad really and guilty. Guilty, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that, that Astrid leaving him alone, that was a dumb move and I didn't like it and it was just jarring me. Okay. I did like, though, how this episode related back to our main theme story. Yes. You know? Of that Thomas Newton and and why he was cryogenically frozen and then reanimated and all that stuff. Yeah. That was good. And I like the part about um, these people had uh, uh, different parts... Of their uh, of Walter's brain injected into their brain, and that's what Implanted. made him go crazy. Mm-hmm. That's what made him go crazy. See, now a couple things about Walter, though. We know that Walter, even though he is, he does have little crazy moments and stuff. But Walter re- seems to recall everything that happened to him in Saint Clair. So he would have remembered if Peter visited him or not. So there at the end, when he told Peter, oh, I probably wouldn't have remembered anyway. Even Peter, I think, by the look on his face, knew that Walter was just trying to, you know, make him feel better. Oh, yeah. Because he remembers everything. Now, this is... Well, he doesn't remember everything. Well, no, not everything. Because he was drugged heavily during that period. And so that's that's why it takes him so long to recall when he's done something. But now that he's out... And he's not on drugs constantly. Well, he is. He takes his own. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's not being medicated constantly. He can kind of remember a lot of the things that he used to experiment with. Well, that's true, too. But a, a couple things, and that is, okay, they took these little parts of his brain out. So when Newton and the other little henchman, Smith, a.k.a. Curtis, had him in the in his house that uh-huh. Peter grew up in, and they were uh, uh, feeding electricity through his brain. Then I am not, I I don't understand how. Number one, he was able to tell them what he needed to tell them, and number two, he can't remember a whole lot most of after now that it's it's all over with, because that's one thing that he he also said too he. He couldn't remember exactly what went on in the house. Well, first of all, he had a bunch of Valium in him. They That's gave true. him another drug, which I think was like a truth serum type drug or something to get oh, him well, into a yeah, into be. a state where he could recall. Mm-hmm. And then they were, you know, doing stuff. They shocked him to make his brain waves go back down that path, that neural pathway thing that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, I don't find it unbelievable that he wouldn't remember after it's all over. Plus then, after all that, then Newton shot him with some other stuff that was killing him. That's true. So, I could totally understand why he didn't remember what he told him. Because he was already drugged heavily at this point. That's true. But although he was drugged heavily and they gave him some mo drugs before they even started the procedure, before they even took him to the house where Peter grew up. Right. So he was even more drugged. I find it highly interesting that once they started experimenting on him or shooting him uh, with electricity or whatever, his whole demeanor changed. He was very combative with Newton and uh, the other guy. Cause, because when Newton asked him something like, do you know where you are? And he looked at him like, he looked at him with disgust. That's what I would say. Disgust and say, yeah. of course I do. I mean, Walter was, it looked like he was about ready to throw down or something. He was very combative. And I thought that was excellent. You know, I thought that was excellent because he was like, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, of course I know. I just thought that was really good. Was really good acting. He was belligerent. Yeah, he was very belligerent. So, okay. Let's move on to Olivia. What do you not like about her? Well, okay. It's not that I don't like Olivia. Here again, I don't like the way she acted toward the end. Now, first of all, Olivia is a crack shot, so she shoots the driver of the van getting away, and of course he's dead. She she gets him with a headshot. That's great. And then, you know, Smith, a.k.a. Curtis, you know, busts through the back, and she shoots him. But she don't shoot this Newton guy? Uh Uh-uh. I don't buy that. Even though he said, well, if you want to save Walter, she could have shot him in the leg and said, okay. Then if he still wouldn't tell, she should have shot him in the other leg, gave him a chance to tell. And then if he still wouldn't tell, because most of all, he wanted to get back with that little uh, camera and stuff. Right. Back to where he wanted. Now. And then I find it real strange that she, okay, she knew she's an FBI agent. She works in the fringe division. She knew they was doing something to Walter. They wanted information. She knew because William Bell had told her. Don't you think her ass would have handcuffed him and then searched that van? I think so. I think so, yeah. So he got away with the the video that yep. whatever he made, yeah, and he, he got away. No, I don't believe it. I think she, she I think she would have shot him in the leg, arm, or something. And said, "Okay, I need to know what's the <laughs> sequence." And he still wouldn't do it. Shoot him again. You know that would have been more more believable to me. No, because they needed look. They needed him to get away so they can deal with him. I know, day. but I was so irritated because, with that. You know they can't have everything end totally square. And wrapped up. They can't have everything in totally sweet. Oh, he gets away. Oh, everybody's killed by Olivia but him. Oh, my, my. That's what irritated me. I get it. But what I'm telling you is they can't have everything stop at the end of each episode. They have to have something continue. 
And at this point, they do not have to have something continue at the episode when we found out about the observers. Everything was sweet as pie at the end. Olivia got to take her little niece on the roller coaster, and the observers are standing there and say, ooh, you know, something's coming down. It's the writers who've decided that they want that character to to move on to something else. I know, but... That's uh, why. But, I mean, hmm. at this point, she didn't have time. He had four minutes... Going down to three. She didn't. Uh, no, I'm talking about way before she even knew all that. She's an FBI agent. She should have had the cuffs on him in five seconds. First uh, of all, you know, first of all. But even if she didn't have the cuffs on him, I don't know. That whole scene was just so irritating to me. And then when she says "Go to hell" and run, oh please, that was just so no, I irritating. Didn't like that part because either. the whole point is. What's to guarantee that the fool was going to tell you the right sequence in the first place? Right. Oh, no, I would have had to hurt him some. He would have been gone back to the alternate universe shot with some with some bullets <laughs> in him or something. You know, which which I think would have been more plausible than just after all that running and all that chasing and killing them other two with, without hesitation. Then, oh, he gets away. Oh, I was so irritated because, see, stuff like that just gets me anyway. That's a big plot hole to me and, and it just irritates me. That's my opinion. Well, and then for him to say, now I know how weak you are. Oh, spare me, please. That was just, uh-uh. That was just, mm-mm. I didn't like it. Well, that's just something that they have taken from several other movies and TV shows that I've heard that phrase before with a, a villain when they know that you care about somebody, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll use them against you. So, But the best part of the whole episode, in my opinion, was us finding out that Dr. Paris was William Bell. Oh, yes. The That's very the end was the part. best part. Mm-hmm. That's the best part. And I remember watching it the first time, and then, of course, watched it again for the podcast, but re- mm-hmm. watching it the first time thinking, what in the world yeah, that is was good. he doing? That was good. And obviously, okay... So we know that obviously William Bell didn't want that memory to stay in Walter's brain. Whatever, and this is something that they didn't really talk about much, even in the later episodes, at least not yet, mm-hmm. is that apparent, obviously him taking that tissue out of Walter's brain is what made Walter go a little cuckoo. Yeah. And then, obviously, William Bell used the knowledge of the door to go to hit the other universe, because otherwise, how did he get there? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, if I was Walter, which I haven't addressed yet, I'd be quite pissed. I think I think when he remembers fully, like in probably upcoming episodes, he probably is going to get a little ticked, you know, because, yeah. Because that is that is a good point. I'd have me a little side mission. Okay, uh, <laughs> I want to find William Bell so I can knock his butt, mm-hmm. knock him out. So this is my question. William Bell is Dr. Paris. So he implanted six parts of Walter's brain in other people. Now the three parts. Well, yeah, three parts. Now, uh... No, it was six. It was six parts. It was just three that they found. They went and interviewed those people, but I thought it was six no, parts. No, it was three people. Okay. Anyway, okay, so he did all that. Now, when, when he snatched Olivia to the alternate world, he told her, a storm's coming, and the guy you want is the one with the Omega on him. No. Don't let him get what he needs to get. 
Now, so this is what I'm not understanding. If he already knew about Thomas Newton, then... I don't think he did. See, I think he did. But Thomas Newton's not his real name. That's just the name we're using because we don't have another name. Well, yeah. That was an alias. That's he, true. He said that they, the shapeshifters or whatever they're called, have someone that has that Omega symbol on them and they're trying to find the door. They're trying to find how to recreate the door or to find the actual door. Okay. To open it up between the two universes. And so don't we cannot let them do that because that's going to bring the destruction of both worlds, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't know okay. who has it. He's trying to keep... Now, what's the, what's going to be the, the kicker is how do they even know that where William Bell hid those that's, pieces? Okay, that's, that's what I was thing. getting at. Okay. because But I wasn't making it clear. Yeah. So, But, but thing, that's what I was getting yeah, at. If William how Bell, did they know? If Belly is the only one who knows... And the nurse. They was only two in that room with Walter. Yeah, but... That's true. But if he's the only one who knows, I'm sure he was thorough and took care of them. Yeah. You know, the people that helped him operate. Mm-hmm. But if he's the only one who knows where those those memories were stored, yeah. how did this Newton guy even find out? How yeah. did the shaped people find out? Yeah. That's, that's an excellent question. Yeah. They need to address that because they went specifically to these individuals, did that little laser procedure on them, and... You know, closed their little skulls back up and went on their merry way. Yeah. See, they just didn't get a chance to close up that, that, the that one last guy. guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. And then 14 years ago, question. he had implanted all that stuff into them to hide it. Yeah. And that's another thing. So, he took a woman patient who was suffering from postpartum depression. That means yeah. she just had a baby. Right. That baby girl, 14 now. Baby's 14. And she'd been in the mental institution. Yep. Simply because, now, see, William Bell is getting kind of, you know, I'm getting so, I, he's evil. I'm not really liking him. <laughs> yeah, because he's not, uh, No, I don't think he's going to be the good guy. No, which is mm-hmm. what, which is kind of what this episode shows. Yeah. Well, more of, we already kind of knew there was something fishy. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what it shows is that he's, he's behind a lot of why all this stuff is going on. Yeah. You know? Yep. And we still and, don't know what side he's on. And he is the he is the direct cause of Walter being in a mental institution for all that time. Well, one of the one of the direct causes. Well, he took he took parts of his brain yeah. out. So mm-hmm. yeah. And that was his partner. Remember? They yeah. worked together. Yep. Yep. Doing all those experiments and stuff. So that's mean. And apparently Walter was a smarter one, so Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get rid of him. Yeah. And what he knew, but it was a great episode. It was pretty good, but I just, oh, I know you have issues. I had them, them issues with Astrid and with Olivia. So, you know, well, you know, we did, I lied. We did have one, um, email about this particular episode from way back. Okay. In December. Okay. So Alan writes, Hey sisters, just wanted to leave some comments on the episode. Gray matters. I'm not sure if any of you are a fan of H.P. Lovecraft, but this episode is full of Lovecraft shoutouts. Dunwich Hospital is a fictional town, or Dunwich is a fictional town of Massachusetts, which is used in Dunwich Horror, written by H.P. Lovecraft. 
The three patients, Joseph Slater, the first patient, seems to be a nod to Joe Slater, who is the main character of Lovecraft's Beyond the Wall of Sleep. Deborah Crampton, the second patient, could be a nod to Barbara Crampton, who stars in H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator, which is directed by Stuart Gordon. And Stuart Gordon, the third patient, is a director and a big fan of Lovecraft, who made several stories of Lovecraft into film. Dr. West, the doctor was inter- that was interviewed by Olivia, Peter, and Walter, could be a nod to Herbert West, a character in Lovecraft's Reanimator. Then Thomas Drum Newton, the leader of the shapeshifters, is the name of a humanoid alien in the film The Man Who Fell to Earth. So this is all really interesting. Mm. And then he goes on to say, it's very interesting to note that the Newton in the film is looking for a way to send water to solve the problem of drought in their planet. David Bowie, who played Thomas Jerome Newton in the film, has a real name of David Robert Jones. Does that sound familiar? Which I think was the character in season one who was trying to go between worlds and got cut off halfway between the worlds and so he was half his body was in and half was out. Oh, yeah. He says, then Dr. Simon Paris, which we found out later in the episode to be William Bell, got the name from Leonard Simon Nimoy and Nimoy played as the great Paris in Mission Impossible. Nimoy's role in Mission Impossible is dubbed as Master of Roleplay, Languages, and Disguises. It makes me wonder if the name Paris in Fringe is used as a disguise for Belle. That's all. Have a Merry Fringemas, Zero Fights, Alan. Well, thank you for that email. That's, thank you, Alan. That's, that's a lot of detail. A lot, and I, I don't know how I have not heard of that uh, particular uh, series or author or stories. Lovecraft. Um, I haven't either. And, but, uh, we need to so check I it don't out. Know. Yeah, I haven't either. But that is really awesome that you found all of that. Well, I think it mentions it's a horror. It in that first well, sentence. The name of the one book is done with horror. Yeah. See, so if it's horror type uh, stuff, I don't read that. So. I wouldn't know. I honestly don't know either, but that that makes me really wonder about a lot of the characters that are in these in these well, uh, episodes. It, yeah, I mean, you know, people people who write these uh, scripts or the director or you know somebody, yeah, they could do that. If they knew so. Okay, well, that was the only email we had about gray matters. Of course, that was back before the holidays. So thank you, Alan. <laughs> For that, and again, we apologize for being delayed in our podcasting, but um, we are back on track now. Yep. So we will continue on with um, the other episodes and try to catch up throughout the week, and then we'll be back on track by probably the end of next week, or by the beginning of next week, I would think, with all of the episodes, because there's been, there's three more that we need to talk about Yep. to get caught up. The next one of which... I'm kind of peeved about. Let's not it, even go into that. Okay. This is not the time. You're right. We'll talk about that later right. on the next podcast. Okay. Well, if y'all would like to send us an email, which I hope that you do, just let us know how you've been doing over the holidays and if you're willing to stick with us again and come back and listen to Sister Speak. Our email address is sisterspeak at gmail.com. Our voicemail line is 972-692-7341. And our website is sistersinreview.com, and you can also uh, list comments on our website if you don't want to send an email. That's it for now. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next time. Mm-hmm.